This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. The whole topic around medication adherence, um, I definitely think you have the cost aspect, but also just think about it, you know, if, if, if you have just uh, seen your doctor, you know, he said, I sent you an electronic prescription to the pharmacy and you as a patient show up and then you find out it's either not covered or a prior authorization is required and you're going to have to come back and pick that up. We know for a fact that there's some patients that just won't come back and do that. That's Pooja Babra talking about one of the biggest misconceptions and disconnects related to EHRs and formulary information. In this episode of the MGMA podcast, we'll hear more about these misconceptions from Pooja and an esteemed panel of healthcare leaders, as well as learn ways to optimize EHRs. But first, a word from our sponsor. The revenue cycle in ambulatory care settings is vast and complex, which makes understanding and managing it crucial for financial, clinical, and regulatory success. On February 3rd and 4th, MGMA will be offering a revenue cycle certificate program that will help participants assess and master revenue cycle management and give them the expertise to determine methods for continuous revenue cycle improvement and ongoing oversight. To earn a certificate in revenue cycle management, go to mgma.com events and register today. Most EHRs have provided formulary information to prescribers for years, but there continue to be misconceptions about how that works and how it can be optimized. To make sense of this important topic, MGMA is partnered with SureScripts to develop a thought leadership discussion. We're joined by panelist, Dr. Andrew Mellon, Chief Medical Information Officer at SureScripts, Jill Helm, PharmD and Vice President Solutions Management at Veridime Health, and Pooja Babra, MBA, Senior Consultant in PBM practice lead with Point-of-Care Partners. Napuja, I want to start with you. As I had mentioned, most EHRs have provided formulary information to prescribers for many years. Can you talk about how that works? Um, so the goal of providing formulary and benefit information to prescribers is really to ensure that the patients are able to get their medications in a timely fashion. Uh, you know, we want to make sure providers are prescribing the medications that will actually be covered under a patient's benefit uh, without having to go through a lot of approvals. Uh, if you look back 
about two decades now, I think, this information was actually given to providers um, in books. And these formulary books back in the 90s um, was the only way that doctors were able to get their information on what medications were actually covered uh, under the benefit for the patient. Um, I actually worked for one of the large PBMs and uh, back in the 90s, and some of our executives actually left the company to start uh, a company that would essentially take these formulary books and make them electronic. So uh, the information, you know, now that providers are using EHRs and e-prescribing systems, uh, this formulary and benefit information is now incorporated electronically into their workflow. And so it's easy for a prescriber or a provider as they're going to write a medication uh, to determine whether or not that medication will actually be covered under the patient's uh, benefit. So, you know, the normal workflow is a staff member of the practice runs a patient eligibility, either in batch the day before the patient's appointment, or sometimes they run it in real time as a patient's actually checking in for their appointment. Um, and with that eligibility check transaction, uh, it'll actually bring back the patient's formulary information, um, which really gives the doctor insights into what medications are covered under the patient's pharmacy benefit plan. It can give them any potential limitations to that coverage. So for example, prior authorization, um, sometimes plans will require what we call step therapy, which means another drug must be tried before the plan will cover that specific medication. And sometimes there's cost information as well if the PBM sends that back. So you can understand really how valuable this information is to both the provider and the patient and the patient and their treatment of care uh, by knowing up front, you know, they don't want to get to the pharmacy and find out their medication's not covered and then they're waiting for a, a week or two to get the approvals. So that's really the goal uh, in how uh, formula information has actually uh, been valuable and provided to to prescribers. Thanks for that. Uh, I did want to ask Andrew or Jill, did either one of you have anything you wanted to add to this topic? Go ahead, Jill. Thanks. Um, I'd really like to, to add that um, this formulary information has really been a mainstay for providers in knowing what the patient's benefit is, what's going to be covered by their prescription drug plan. And having that incorporated into their e-prescribing application uh, or into their EHR is important for providers because it provides the information at the point that the physician's actually creating the prescription. And they can see that information passively and in real time. And that's what's critical to avoid the rework that Pooja was talking about too, the patients getting to the pharmacy and not having the uh, prescription covered. Thanks for that. Uh, Andrew, I believe you had something you wanted to add to this topic as well. Yeah, I think Jill stated it well. And, and the key with formulary is, you know, physicians with, are bombarded with information all day long and it's designed to be passive, but right in the workflow. So there's no extra clicks typically, it's just an icon or some kind of indication of what's on or off formulary. So all the EHRs have worked hard to make sure that the physician can sort of glimpse at this, see it in their workflow, and make the most informed decision, um, really with the least amount of additional effort to understand that information. Okay. Um, 
Jill, I want to turn to you. Uh, I want to take it one level deeper here and, and look at why this is so important and how it really helps patients, prescribers, and the office staff. Yeah, this information is really critically important, um, and it's critically important to be presented at the time the prescription is being created. Um, not only is that the most efficient way um, for healthcare to be delivered because the provider can um, see the formulary information and see formulary status potentially of alternative medications, uh, that could be prescribed um, for the patient. And they see that all of that information up front um, as they are creating the prescription, so that enables them to work very efficiently. Um, it also enables them to make that selection while the patient is in the office with them. So if there is an opportunity to change to a different medication that has a more uh, favorable formulary status, or is available potentially at a lower cost to the patient, the patient is right there with the physician. So they can, as the physician is prescribing, can have that conversation with the patient about the choice of, of medication and the therapy that, that he's going to prescribe. Um, so that's why it's, it's so important. But also for the office staff, it eliminates those callbacks that rework that happens if a patient does go to the pharmacy and they ask the pharmacist to call the doctor because the original prescription was not on formulary, that call back into the provider can be very disruptive to the workflow of the office because the patient's already left, the care team is on to see additional patients, and now they have to go, go back and open up the patient's chart, review, um, information and then, you know, perhaps make a selection there. So they're doing work after the fact. Um, mm -hmm. Also, frequently it's a provider, if it's a phone call, it's a provider to pharmacist phone call. And I've had an opportunity to view the workflow in some of our all scripts practices. And I've seen physicians have to wait upwards of 45 minutes on a phone just to get a hold of the pharmacy. So, or the pharmacist. So it really is impactful to the physician's day to have to do that rework. Mm -hmm. Andrew, I know you and I had talked offline and communicated there. You had identified some misconceptions uh, about the formulary information. What, what were some of those misconceptions you were thinking about? Yeah, you know, the, as I think Pooja mentioned, formulary has been around a long time, 20 years. And like anything in health IT, uh, things grow and evolve over time. And I think, you know, some providers may have tried and looked at the formulary information in the past. They have, may have felt that it's um, not as helpful or not as, or wasn't as complete as they would have liked. And so they kind of gave up and didn't look at that. I know I've had conversations with some providers about that. So one of the misconceptions is that it isn't helpful, but there has been a huge amount of work that's been done to improve the quality, to improve um, uh, the availability of this. And, you know, I, I think it's trying to help these providers get past some of those old beliefs and look at this and see that it truly is valuable. And I do want to add on top, 
to what Jill said around why this is so important. Um, you know, for me, when I think about this from a patient-centric lens, one of the statistics that I heard recently that's just truly remarkable, although frankly not surprising, was that one of the large PBMs in their analyst calls said that when a prescription is written that has an over $50 copay for a patient, so why, you know, $50, um, there's a 25% chance it's not going to be picked up. So 25% of the time that provider is having a phone call with the patient, they're trying to come up with a plan. You know, they've worked hard on this. The patient has expectations set. Um, and if it's over $50, three quarters of the time, they're not going to pick it, or one quarter of the time, they're not going to pick it up. And so, you know, it starts with getting that information up front. And that's what the formulary is there to help them with. And it's, it's more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Pooja, did you want to add anything to this topic? Yeah, I did, and I think Andrew just alluded to it, right, is, is the whole topic around medication adherence. Um, I definitely think you have the cost aspect, but also just think about it, you know, if, if, if you have just uh, seen your doctor, you know, he said, I sent you an electronic prescription to the pharmacy, and you as a patient show up, and then you find out it's either not covered or a prior authorization is required, and you're going to have to come back and pick that up. We know for a fact that there are some patients that just won't come back and do that, right? They're busy, things are going on. And so I think, you know, medication adherence, you know, by having a clean prescription, a prescription where the medication is going to be covered, you know, ever, uh, there, there's no prior authorizations involved or the prior authorization has been approved ahead of time, just uh, improves that adherence, I would say, of the patient as well on picking up their medication. Uh, in addition to, of course, the, the cost concerns that Andrew just that brought up. Okay, thank you for that. And I, we've been talking about different aspects of formulary information, um, but I want to take a step back. Andrew, I wanna start with you here. Let's put it in context then. What's changed in the past few years? And let's look at how it's improved for prescribers. Yeah, and as I mentioned, we have had a lot of improvements, and let me just give some concrete examples. To bring that formulary information to the provider, there's a number of steps along the way. Um, you know, one of the first steps is, is finding that patient and matching them. So every time that patient shows up to the clinic uh, for a patient visit, that, that EHR is checking with SureScripts to find their eligibility information and match them to the appropriate formulary. As you can imagine, when we're doing those matches across 300 plus million people, um, those matches can be hard. And, but we've continued to chip away at that. And just as an example, in 2019, we were able to match 45 million more uh, patients, or 45 million more patient encounters, I should say, than previous years that we wouldn't have matched due to some improvements we've made into, the, into our master patient index. So continuing to chip away there on, the, on, doing, on improving those patient matches. The second thing is around data quality. And at SureScripts, we view our role as a facilitator across the network to make sure, to help our partners um, make sure that they're sending complete, accurate, comprehensive information for their partner or about their members. And so we work very closely with them all the time to make sure their fields are populated, that things like the prior auth field is populated as Pooja was saying, um, and to make sure it represents the current state for the members. 
And finally, there's a long tail. There's a long tail of smaller payers or certain payers and regions that hadn't signed up for the service in the past. And again, that creates that maybe some of those misconceptions that the providers have had in the past. But we, again, continue to sign them up. Um, for example, in 2021, you'll see some additions of some major populations out on the West Coast and in California. So again, that will create a better experience for the providers to see this more consistently. So while we're not the supplier of the information, we don't create the formularies here at SureScripts. Our goal, our role is to make sure those providers who are looking at this information are having the best experience possible. We've made a lot of progress over this over the past few years, and that's a continued major area of focus for us now. Mm -hmm. Jill, in your work, um, where have you seen some improvements? What's, what's uh, got you excited there about some changes that have been made? So really, we've seen the um, impact of the changes that SureScript has made and all the hard work that they put in to improving the formulary files, uh, not only in the number of PBMs and plans that are represented in the formulary files, but even down to a more technical level. Um, we've improved uh, in partnering with SureScript um, the ability to exchange formulary information efficiently. As you can imagine, these are very large files, and there's been a lot done from a technical standpoint uh, to help improve the efficiencies, but also in terms of standardization. So Andrew spoke about bringing on those additional payers and PBMs, and it's great to work with a partner like SureScripts where you can, they can bring on information from multiple data sources and present it in a unified, concise structure so it's easy for the EHR platforms to consume and for presentations to the physician and to help the physician understand uh, the information that's there. Mm -hmm. Pooja, any, any changes you want to share with us? You know, I think Jill and Andrew actually hit the hit the main ones. I think, you know, and as point of care partners, we do a lot of research with physicians and, you know, understanding a lot of these pharmacy transactions. And I, I echo uh, Jill's comments that, you know, we really have seen some changes. Uh, a few years ago, we had done some research where, you know, we had providers and their staff saying that they don't even look at the formulary information because, uh, you know, they, they're, it's just inaccurate and, you know, they would mention um, files that they would receive that, you know, every single drug in that for that payer had a prior authorization. And we know that that's not the case, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, you have drugs that have prior authorization, but not every single drug that they were writing for that, that coverage. So I think, um, you know, just having, we've definitely seen in even the marketplace, the providers, you know, their trust of the data that it's more accurate uh, and more timely, and also, uh, you know, just the, the actually starting to use it again, which I think is a, a huge improvement uh, over a, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Andrew, I know that our audience likes to think about things in real-world examples. Um, do you have a case study, an anecdote you can share with us on on why you're focused on this now? Yeah, I, I think it's so critical now for prescribers to be thinking about cost. I mean, we talked to them and 83% of them told us that they 
think about and consider the patient benefit information in their prescribing decision. And that's just as drugs have become more expensive, as plants have become more complex, um, and as their work life, their workload becomes more challenging, where they don't want to have to deal with rework. Um, we know this is critically important. It's not just a nice to have anymore. It's not just, well, the pharmacy will fix it, but it's really about making sure the patient can get on the medications when they want. And, um, you know, I'll just share some, some uh, studies that we did and some interesting information about how important this is. One of the more recent studies that we did where we looked at 27 million prescriptions to a large retail pharmacy chain, one that everyone would recognize. And we we're able to compare um, medications that were filled when people were informed by this formulary information versus when they weren't. And they may not have been for a number of reasons. Maybe they weren't signed up for the service or there wasn't a patient match or, or something else. Mm -hmm. But we saw um, that those patients that were informed had a significantly higher rate of pickup. So those are the patients that are getting the medications um, when the doctors see that information and have it available in their EHR. So again, it comes down to adherence. It comes down to helping the patient get on that right therapy and helping them uh, do something in, an, in the right economical way. Thanks for that. Uh, Pooja, do you have an example you could share with us? Um, yeah, sure. And I, I think, again, just kind of playing off what Andrew said, you know, the, I think the having the cost information, uh, you know, the pricing is uh, very important. Um, I think, you know, from, from what we've seen, as I mentioned earlier, uh, just with the providers and, and kind of now actually, uh, you know, looking at the information again, um, I think is just clearly something that, uh, you know, we've seen just in our research and talking to providers um, that, you know, the, the, the real world, in the real world, this is actually being used. Um, I would say, though, that I think, you know, to Jill's earlier point, you know, this has kind of been table stakes, right, for, for EHRs and providers for a very long time. Uh, and I think it's often kind of overlooked as something that we need to be uh, focused on. And so, you know, we, you know, there are some new enhancements that are coming, um, which I can talk about in a little bit, but, you know, things that I think that are going to be even greater improvements from a, a provider and a user standpoint um, that I think, you know, providers need to be aware of and, and really start focusing, kind of looking back at formulary information again, once some of these uh, enhancements are released. Mm-hmm. Jill, what about you uh, on closing this out? Do you have an example that you could talk about with us? Sure. One of the things that we hear from our providers is as the cost of prescriptions continues to go up, as medications uh, continue to go up in price, more specialty medications come to market um, that often um, cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Um, the formulary information really becomes critical, and our physicians depend on that information to, again, assure the patient affordability, uh, to help ensure medication compliance. And so we've really seen an increase um, in the value of formulary information. Also, um, with it being, you know, this time of year, benefits changing, uh, typically on January 1st, 
um, having the formulary information can be of huge value to the physician and the practice um, in knowing what the patient's current formulary coverage is for a particular medication um, because their benefits may have changed um, come January 1st. So the ability to have that updated information, um, our physicians are really uh, finding that valuable in caring for their patients. Mm -hmm. Jill, I want to stick with you. Uh, we spoke on an earlier podcast about price transparency. So let's drill down on that. How does formulary complement the new medication price transparency tools? Formulary is a great um, beginning, uh, beginning step or really um, that sort of high, higher level information um, about a patient's pharmacy benefit. Um, the nice thing about formulary information is it gives you the formulary status and coverage information across all of the available medications. So to contrast that with price transparency, price transparency will price a, a particular prescription for a patient um, when a particular pharmacy is selected. On the other hand, formulary information gives you more of that, what is the cost landscape um, for, that patient, for that patient's drug plan? And it enables physicians really to more make that therapy decision, you know, between um, different medications, let's say in the same uh, therapeutic class. And they really rely on the formulary information to give them that um, sort of direction within the class. And then as they create the prescription for the patient, that's when price transparency comes in and gives them that very specific patient price. So I really see them working together, sort of like a hand in glove approach here. We start out viewing the formulary information, making the therapy decision, creating the prescription for the patient, and then getting the price transparency information. Mm -hmm. Andrew, thoughts on this topic? I think Jill said it well, and, and the way I think about it too is that formulary uh, helps sort of set the stage uh, for example, if there are three drugs in a, um, you know, in a three sort of different brands in the same therapeutic class, you're going to see in the formulary information which one is probably at a higher level or better economically for the patient. The real-time prescription benefit then gives you that precise price. The doctor has to put more work because you need to put in the dose and the, and the pharmacy it's going to and the day supply to calculate a price. But then it'll give you that that cost that the patient's going to see it that they're going to see at the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And together, I mean, we're seeing some pretty impressive results. Just to give you a sense, when we look at, for example, physicians in internal medicine, when they do make a change, sort of across all their medications, they're saving the patient about thirty-five dollars per prescription. You know, looking at through a different lens for blood glucose lowering agents, where there is often. Uh, a challenge of understanding which is the right drug for the patient, uh, and this isn't counting insulin. The physicians, when they do make the change, are saving patients about $53 per prescription. So these are big dollars and um, you know, significant savings for the patient. Let's really look, as a physician, the most efficient way to do this 
is to use those in a very complimentary fashion. You know, you get that first sort of blush of information with the least amount of work through the formulary. Then you can hone in on the precise information after you've done the work to fully specify the prescription. Okay. Um, Pooja, did you have any final thoughts you wanted to add to this topic? Sure, yeah, I actually love the the topic of prescription <laughs> price transparency, so I could go on and on about it. But now I think Jill and Andrew actually uh, touched on all the points. And the, the only thing I would add, though, is, you know, we know that doctors are busy, right? And Andrew mentioned that, you know, as the, so formulary is used really for directional, uh, you know, the prescription, the real-time benefit check is used to actually get a price on a specific medication, you know, using the patient-specific benefits out of a specific pharmacy, but it also brings back alternative um, medications as well as alternative pharmacies. Now, we know that it's hard for physicians. I mean, they only have a limited amount of time with you, and they don't want to spend all their time kind of price shopping around for the patient, but um, there's recently uh, some industry efforts around bringing that same prescription price transparency uh, directly to the consumer. So having the exact same information that a provider would see when they're actually writing the prescription um, and allowing the consumer to say, okay, I normally go to this pharmacy down the street. Maybe I can get it a little bit cheaper from a different pharmacy. So I think, you know, we've seen from the federal government, we've seen CMS come out with some price transparency regulations and rules. And I think, you know, formulary with the price transparency information, both from the physician workflow as well as, uh, you know, bringing that to the patient is really going to help uh, what we've mentioned earlier about, you know, making sure the patient can afford their medication and making sure patients are picking up their medication as well. Mm -hmm. Pooja, let's uh, stay with you and uh, let's begin to explore what's next, what's left for the industry to do to improve the experience for both prescribers and their patients. Where, where are the opportunities? Yeah, so I think we've, you know, talked about quite a few and, and you know, SureScripts has, has clearly worked, uh, you know, hand in hand with the PBMs around kind of the completeness and the accuracy of the data. Um, Jill mentioned something about the, you know, the timeliness as well and all the changes that we always see at the, at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think, you know, that's an important aspect that, that you know, we need to kind of get some focus on, right, is, is making sure that those, especially the year-end uh, changes are being uploaded uh, in a timely fashion for physicians to access. But I go back to, um, you know, really the standards. Uh, so NCPDP, the actual uh, formulary and benefit uh, transaction, there's actually a standard from um, NCPDP around that. And over the past few years, uh, the NCPDP members have really put in a lot of work to kind of address uh, some of the issues. So we know there's going to be some changes coming in the new uh, standard. One is just the decrease in the size of the files. And Jill already mentioned this, that, you know, when those files are so big, it's off, often hard to process them and get them uploaded. So we're going to start seeing some changes around that. Um, there is some changes in the standard uh, around being able to do indication-based formularies. So in some cases, uh, a PBM or a, a pharmacy benefit manager will cover uh, a prescription for a certain indication, but not another one. And uh, that information can now be uh, you know, shown to the doctor 
Um, and then we talked a little bit about the specialty medications, right? The, the very expensive, very high priced medications. And part of the problem is half of the time those medications are covered under the pharmacy benefit. And then half the time uh, they're covered under the medical benefit. And so part of the delay in kind of getting approval for those medications is the physician not knowing where that coverage lies. So we've been talking a lot about formulary and benefit information, but it's really right now only covering medications that are covered under the pharmacy benefit. So with these new changes in the standard, uh, if a PBM knows this information, they can actually alert the physician that, you know, this may not be covered under the patient's pharmacy benefit, but it's covered under the medical benefit, which would kick off a whole different series of kind of approvals and things like that. But at least it gives the doctor some kind of indication ahead of time before they go to try to write that script and get a, a message saying the, the prescription's not covered. So I think there's, you know, something again to kind of watch for. Um, all the changes have been done in the, the standard. Um, I know that NCPDP has asked for uh, for the standard to be named, uh, so you know everyone can upgrade to it. Um, but there's no reason that you know as as we start rolling out some of these uh, changes to the standard that folks can't start um, you know taking a look what's in there and and how it's going to impact uh, the providers and especially the patients on getting their medications in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. Jill, I want to turn to you now. Then, where, where do you see? Uh some improvement uh, on the horizon? Uh, what's next um, if you're looking in your crystal ball there? Sure, I think Pooja did a great job of uh, covering um, many of the changes that we're seeing uh, in the industry, but we're also um, seeing more uh, detailed information, uh, more informative to the provider uh, content within the formulary. Um, so Pooja mentioned indication-based uh, formularies. We're also seeing changes in step therapy where it's giving more guidance to prescribers on certain step therapy protocols. Uh, also in the area of pharmacy networks, particularly for specialty medications, which can be so costly and can only be filled at um, a relatively few number of pharmacies in the country. We're having that information available at the point of care is so critical. We're seeing more and more health plans in PBMs starting to provide the formulary, within the formulary, the specialty pharmacy designation uh, for prescriptions. And that's very helpful to prescribers as well. Mm -hmm. Andrew, I'll give you the final thought here on this topic. Um, where are those opportunities? And, and I know one of the ones you have mentioned offline is referring to data quality. You might want to talk about that or some other areas as well. Yeah, I was certainly still focused on the data quality, as I mentioned earlier, and working with our partners and across the SureScripts network to make that information consistent and complete every single time. I think there's uh, two other aspects in addition to what Pooja and Jill talked about that we're focused on. One is working with our partners to have some consistency uh, around, around some of the, the words that are used. And words are really important. And sometimes, uh, you know, for example, certain PBMs have different numbers of tiers 
or call things off formulary slightly different words. So making that easier for the physicians to understand that and being consistent. The second thing is, is um, trying to help our partners, our EHR partners, uh, get that formulary information up to date you know, as frequently as possible. Certainly the decreased file size will help with the new standard. That's a few years out. Uh, it just takes that long to sort of percolate through the industry. Uh, but what we, what's available today, there's two things that I'd like to just mention. One is some EHRs are moving to this concept of a real-time formulary where they are actually asking us in real time when a drug is prescribed for that formulary information. And, and certainly that keeps things up to date. But the second thing is, is we are working with our partners to make sure their customers are keeping the formulary up to date. One of the reasons why physicians distrust it is they look at it and it looks wrong. The information's wrong, it's out of date. They know they that something's covered and it isn't or vice versa. And it turns out it's often that the information is not incorrect in the SureScripts formulary, but the EHR, typically a customer, these are often on-premise EHRs, hasn't taken that update for months on a time. And so, um, again, we are working closely with our EHR partners to make sure their customers can take those updates, you know, on at least a monthly basis, if not more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew, I want to stick with you then. Let's get some final thoughts for our audience. Are there any, is there a call to action or any other items that you'd want to share with us today? Yeah, I think, I mean, if I was a physician leader or a practice leader listening to this, there are three things that I'd like you to, uh, to take away, or I hope you take away from this. The first one is what I just talked about is if you have an on-premise EHR, Try to make sure that you are updating your formulary at least on a monthly basis, if not more frequently. If you're not doing that, the value of the formulary decreases greatly. And a lot of the downstream work, the, uh, the prior authorization, if you're using that feature, or the real-time prescription benefits don't work as well. So first and foremost, that's an easy thing to do. Make sure you're getting that checked frequently. The second thing is, if you've never done this, Take a look, talk to the people who answer the phone calls, or maybe you have a, a group of um, uh, medical assistants that triage and basket messages. See how much time your practice is spending on rework. See how much time that you're, you're getting phone calls back from the pharmacy for things that are off formulary or messages in the EHRN basket. Um, if you're getting more than you expect, um, then that's kind of a sign that maybe your physicians aren't taking advantage of these services as, as much as they could. Those rework are frustrating for you as a practice. They're costly. They take time. And it just makes a bad experience for the patient, let alone, you know, probably a higher level of abandonment for those prescriptions. And the third thing is, you know, understand what your EHR is doing for the formulary, how it's being displayed and where it's showing up also with the real-time prescription benefit if you're doing that, and take an opportunity to help educate your physicians. You know, help them work through maybe some misconceptions they've had, or maybe they tried this years ago and now they don't look at it. Um, but let them know some of the things we talked about, that there has been a lot of progress and improvement. There is value in this, and by paying attention to it and by incorporating it into their decision process, it's gonna make life better for them, it's gonna make life better for the patients, and it's gonna make 
and it's going to save money and time for your practice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Jill, what are some final words you want to leave us with today? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I would like to ask the audience is that they engage with their EHR vendor on formulary. Um, take the time to find out all of the information that's available uh, and uh, the nuances within the presentation of that information. Um, there's a, a lot of detailed content that's available uh, today in formulary information, and I think uh, it, sometimes it takes uh, a little bit of a refresher uh, to remind uh, practices and providers of the value that the formulary information can bring. Um, and the other thing I would say is also partner with your EHR. Be an active participant in the formulary uh, information process. So in the downloading and uh, consuming of that formulary information, um, also in how that formulary information is incorporated into patient care uh, in the prescribing process. Um, work with your EHR vendor on that um, as well because they have a lot of great uh, information to, to provide and are really looking for that feedback from the end users, from the folks on the front lines uh, to make that uh, an even better a process and even better information source than it, than it is today. Um, and then lastly, just with the complexity of pharmacy benefits, with the increasing price of medications, you know, the cost of medications has really become a major factor in healthcare satisfaction and in medication adherence. And so if you haven't paid, you know, attention to the formulary, uh, up to this point, I would say today, you know, now is really a time to uh, get re-engaged in that information in that portion of your EHR. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Pooja, you get the final word today. What would you like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I think, I think we've heard, uh, you know, great summaries from both Andrew and Jill and and I really think it's just, you know, there's, there's so much you read about today is in terms of uh, innovations around healthcare technology and transactions. You know, we're all talking about real-time benefit check and specialty enrollment and things like that. But we often forget that, you know, formulary and benefit and eligibility is really kind of the foundation that's going to support all these additional transactions. And I think both Andrew and Jill, you know, clearly uh, summarized it well saying, you know, there has been a lot of improvements in this area and there's more coming. And it's something that if you have not on back and, and done that research to understand kind of what's happening or to look at when, you know, when was the last time you updated the files and, you know, also some of the changes that we, that have been happening in the industry, you know, this real-time formulary option is a great one to be looking at. So I think it's just a reminder that, you know, this, the, even though this transaction and this information has been around for decades, um, there is innovation happening in this area, and it's important to kind of take a step back and uh, revisit it again. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. And thank you, Andrew, Jill, and Pooja for all of these wonderful insights today. Um, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, 
Dr. Andrew Mellon, Jill Helm, and Pooja Babra. And thanks to SureScripts for making this episode possible and for their part in designing the content for today's panel discussion. And thanks to MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. To register for the upcoming certificate program in revenue cycle management, go to mgma.com slash events. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, There's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com slash analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances in operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.